to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. We're here once again with a book recommendation episode for the Correspondence 84 Charing Cross Road, which if you don't know what Correspondence is, it's a series of letters. So this is nonfiction. It's a nonfiction work, and it's a letter correspondence between two people in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, If you've never listened to the podcast before, welcome. You're in the perfect place to start because book recommendation episodes are not spoilery, so they're just our overview episodes where we try and persuade you to read a book with us for the next couple weeks, 84. Charing Cross Road by Helene Hopf is the book that we'll be reading for, for yeah, the next couple weeks. So we're here today to persuade you to join us for that journey. Uh, if you've never checked out our social media feeds, we've got those up as well. So if you check Instagram and Facebook under the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word, you'll find us. So again, just at the Lightly Literary Podcast, all one word. Check us out there. Follow us for updates. As soon as I get back on it, I've been swamped, but the podcast feed will remain updated. So check out the feed wherever you're listening now. And that's where we're posting our book clubs and stuff. Book recommendations, as I mentioned, and I'll say again, great for first-timers, so if you're joining us for the first time, hopefully we can give you a recommendation today. This one is a unique one, Amanda, and you chose it. So do you want to quickly overview why you picked it? Um, Yeah, I was walking around my local um, bookstore, and this was, like, set up. uh, There were a few copies of this set up on the table saying, a must-read. Um, so I was looking at it, I was like, it's, it's super small. I mean, I, we're it always is. looking for small books, too, to, to kind of enjoy. Yeah. And we hadn't read anything that was, like, well, not since the Little Black Book series. We hadn't read anything that was just letters and exchanging it's of true. letters. And it said on the cover that it's a beloved classic. And I was like, I've never heard of it. <laughs> How and dare you? it's a classic? <laughs> so yeah, I was like, yeah. I have to try this. If you're going to make um, such a so claim, prove it. it to me, you know? I, exactly. <laughs> don't say such things without proving it. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, the back cover, I'll read from the cover briefly just because I'm sure listeners, there's plenty of you who, you know, are here to hear about the book and don't know anything about it. Uh, it says on the back, this chart classic first published in 1970 brings together 20 years of correspondence between Helene Hanf, a freelance writer living in New York City and a used book dealer in London. Through the years uh, their sentimental friendship is based on their mutual love for books. Their relationship is captured so acutely in these letters and it is one that will grab your heart and refuse to let go. And I did purposely, I just noticed this on the back cover. I'm glad I didn't read this before the book then. There's actually kind of a spoiler on the cover. I just skipped it so if you're, I, I won't say anything more. There's like only one thing that could even be spoiled really in the book but i won't say anything else but yeah it is a very charming correspondence between these two people and just their love of books and helene's hilarious voice that i'm sure we'll get into so that's an overview of what we're talking about should we jump in amanda yeah let's see if we can recommend this book to some folks let's do our rapid fire recommendations first this is our first segment we always start with where we fill in the blank about who should read this book i think right you're taking the lead we always have the chooser take the lead so what who should read this one amanda um, if you want something heartwarming. Yeah, it's, it is, I wouldn't call it sentimental. It, it is very open hearted though. And very kind of sweet at times. I think I, I reserve sentiment for I, more of a negative term, like too sweet, too, almost faking it. But I guess that might be a, a harsh reading of that term. So no, I think that's a great description. I think you should read this book if you're feeling lonely. Oh, yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that. It's, I mean, it's about human connections and reaching out and finding something in common. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. 
Um, you should read this book if you love books and love to encounter other bibliophiles. Yeah, and these people take it to even, and I'm a maybe have my own book hoarding issues, but they take it to another level because because of the preciousness of the books at the time, it wasn't you couldn't get them quite as easily as you can today. There weren't as many resources available so to to getting books. So yeah, uh, mine is similar. I think you should read this book if you love collecting books and perhaps even have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're addicted to books, here yeah. you go. <laughs> um, you should read this book if you are craving some fun writing full of personality. Yeah, it, her voice is very fun. It really does. I, I don't know if I'd say carry it. I don't want to sound cruel to the other parts of the book, but I don't think this works without her writing voice. And she's a freelance writer. You'll find out more about her career in the book. And But yeah, she her charm really carries this through. So that's a strong one. You should read this book if you want to get better at writing emails. Oh, yeah, you could definitely learn so much about, like, style and how to be both concise but witty. Yeah, that's that's a great one. Stop writing crappy We're emails, just, people. Let's put a call out to yeah. the world. <laughs> just put the, put a, put a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Put, like, a, a mandate out about having to be clever in emails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can throw some personality yeah. into it, guys. Uh, <laughs> you should read this book if post-World War II tidbits interest you. The the history background, I think, adds that extra dimension that makes it recommendable, too. It's There's yeah. just enough history happening in real time that you get that boots on the ground, immersed in it feeling, and it, it is... I don't think it's the main attraction, but it, it really does work. And there's some interesting stuff. So, yeah. You should read this book if you wa- – uh, sorry, I almost misread that. You should read this book if you love a story with a strong first-person narrator, quote-unquote. She's obviously not a narrator, but – Yeah, her voice is just so strong, and her opinions are equally um, uh-huh. <laughs> strongly voiced. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know who she is from the beginning. Um you should read this book if you revel in irreverence. Yeah, that's, I mean, she's just so biting and funny, and I, I wouldn't say caustic or anything, or sort of, she's not, like, abrasive about things, but yeah, her opinions are irreverent, fun, open, and honest, so it's, yeah, very recommendable for that. You should read this book, my last one, if you want to experience the ups and downs of life in only 96 pages. Yeah, yeah, it's super short, and... But it's, it is it's just so full of the changes that go on um, throughout the years. It's it. How many years does it span? Maybe 15 like or 20. Oh, I think. The, no, I think the cover back cover said 20. 20 years. 20 there ish. you go. Yeah. So there's a lot that happens during that time in just 96 pages, guys. <laughs> yeah. And you really do feel it, too. It's it's impressive how the emotions come across. It's so brief in such a brief kind of format. So, yeah. Let's do our pop culture, Amanda, shall we? Find a touchstone. Next segment is going to be pop culture touchstones. This is when we each bring some kind of connection from pop culture or just media in general. It could be anything, art, books, TV, music, movies, who knows, um, and that we think relates to this or has a strong connection to it. Just to give you some kind of context, Amanda, take it away. What's your pop culture touchstone? Uh, mine is the Big Bang Theory. So a show I I <laughs> never liked or I only saw little snippets of. So you'll have to sell me on this one. Go for it. <laughs> uh, so the reason I chose the Big Bang Theory is um, that it's about like the 
just like any sitcom, it's it's about the relationships among the characters. <clears throat> and you always have, you know, and, and in the Big Bang Theory especially, there is um, Sheldon, who is the one who is stoic and often, like, very serious-minded. Mm-hmm. But then you have the others who are... Uh, they have the strong personalities, and they they infuse it with humor. So it's it's meant to be funny, and the characters, when they talk to each other, um, infuse that humor into their conversations. Um, it's also geek culture. So for Big Bang Theory, it's science and 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 video games and Marvel movies and stuff like that. But here, it's you know books, and um, just the the general like humor aspect of it. So that's. That's the connection I made. <laughs> yeah, it's I. Uh, so I was thinking as you were talking, or the the right thing you wrote down. Is it just most sitcoms? I think does this connect to like it's just got that character levity, jokes, workplace feeling. Uh, they're not in a literal workplace, yeah. but they talk about business and such. <laughs> they they do have a they there's, do. There's a slight professional interaction between them in a way. Um, the geek culture thing interests me the most though because. Ah, it's it's so odd. I guess I'd have to know more about that show to really comment on it, but they, they're both interested in this hobby. They have a shared hobby, so I, I like that part of it. I'm not sure if I could fully compare it to modern geek culture in, in terms of that kind of like outsider feeling and like the kind of being picked on bullied type of vibe, but they're both heavily invested in this hobby and they really yes. care about it. They really know a lot about it. It's They take it pretty seriously, uh, even though they make jokes about it. So I think I'm kind of buying some of that comparison. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, and, yeah. and I think of Sheldon as like a... A more extreme Frank Dole. Oh, right, right, right. right. Very yeah, dry. From the and, beginning. Yeah. yeah. And but at the end, by the end, uh, Sheldon, like Frank Dole, they they loosen up more. They they do have more humorous quips and stuff like that that they infuse into their language um, as the show and the book progresses. Gotcha. Okay. Well, interesting. Yeah. Let's let's keep the comparison. Uh, mine is simpler, and th- I don't even know if this is pop culture, but I do think it's like an artifact. I'm going with pen pals. <laughs> do you do you mm. ever have a pen pal? Was that a part of your education? Yeah, I think in third grade. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's a very it, yeah. elementary thing to do for some reason. Yeah, I don't even know if they still do it, but it'd be great if they did. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think, very valuable. Also, in a more globalized world and with the media we currently have, I just don't... I could see why people would get rid of that as, like, a system, just because... I don't know. There's like you could watch videos of other places and there's just so many other ways to connect to another culture trying to immerse yourself. But I still think there's a real personal value in pen pals. I I hope it's continued. I'll say shamefully that when I was a teacher, I never did it. I didn't even think to. (laughs) So it's like, oh, man, maybe I should have tried. I I taught middle school, so could have could have attempted it. But this has that kind of feeling of connecting with someone, trying to understand their world from your own point of view. And I think that I mean, obviously, the pen pal thing, I think was pretty formal when I did it in elementary school like the teachers kind of tell you what to say well or they tell you what questions to ask and answer where it's kind of it's structured and formalized this is not that feeling at all this is very much human connection it's it's loose it's weird it's goofy and fun and sometimes serious sometimes not and so it, i think it has a much better kind of range in it but i i do think it has that feeling of just trying to understand someone who who you don't know directly any thoughts on pen pal lifestyle <laughs> I think we should bring it back. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? Keep it going. I, is pen pals just like being online, like Twitter or Instagram? I mean, because you can... Chat it, rooms it, and I stuff. I guess so, because it's like if you want to yeah. try and 
reach out to like i'm thinking of so on our instagram i can give a direct example of this i'll try and be brief though but on our instagram like i ended up following a lot of art accounts just because of the drawing and i would try and promote the drawings and see other artists work and i've like messaged with people on there it's mostly just simple compliments or like they'll post something i'll be like that's really great or you know good job whatever and i know some of them are for in other countries you know so it's like is that the equivalent would the, if i just reached out more like d- tried to like really connect with one of those people would that be the modern equivalent to pen pals i guess yeah yeah anyway i guess so yeah I, and, yeah 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 anyway facebook posts and yeah tweets and stuff where you, you chat to each other yeah yeah so that, that's the common maybe common equivalent or um, not common modern equivalent to that so anyway interesting good connections though it's it is hard to i think it's fitting enough that i don't feel great about mine or perfect about mine because it's hard to peg like correspondence like this doesn't really exist anymore so it's it is kind of difficult to find a really clear connection um also helene's super funny and sassy and like has strong opinions so just pick a pick a strong woman character from any media property that's like that and you're good to go <laughs> i think <laughs> yeah. I, I may be downplaying her uniqueness there i don't mean to generalize but it's like she's just so fun and funny and takes no shit and is very like assertive and, and a great read so you know there's a connection. Okay. Let's move on to our scripted pitches. This is when we've prepared a piece of writing in advance to sort of summarize what works about the book or maybe what doesn't work about the book, just an overall impression. Amanda, feel free to take it away when you're ready. All right. Um, a small book containing letters between two strangers made out appeal to many readers at first. Um, I myself was doubtful despite its beloved classic tagline from the very first letter, the very first paragraph Helene Hoff's voice explodes from the page. These letters are soaked in personality and it's made all the more delightful by Hoff's pen pal, Frank Dole's more staid writing style. There's so many reasons to read this beautifully written collection of letters as a study of uh, writing style and voice, as a study on how England versus the U.S. fared after World War II, as a kind of index for, quote, classic literature, and as a social study of how a shared love can bring two strangers together. This is a truly delightful and super brief read that won't take up much of your time, but will absolutely bring a smile to your face. I really can't pile enough positive adjectives onto this collection. Heartwarming, charming, sweet, humorous, et cetera, et cetera. I'll just sum up and say it's a real pleasure to read. Yeah, the payoff versus investment has to, is astounding on this. The ratio yeah. on that is because <laughs> it accomplishes so much and is just so brief. And even saying it's 96 pages undersells it because a lot of the letters are like half a page long. So it's like yeah. uh, it's not even like all the pages are full of text or something. So it really it might be more realistic 70 page read, honestly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah so it's so brief, so kind of um, vibrant, full of life. I was going to say vivacious. It's not it. Vibrant is the word. <laughs> and just sort of personality driven that um yeah just an incredible delightful read i think that's the right word for it hard not to smile and chuckle at it too and it's rare we talked about this in the episodes if you listeners stick with us and do the book clubs it's just rare to get me to laugh out loud while reading it's not the medium Mm -hmm. i go to for my humor and this one did she's just very funny great writer she is um i'll do my scripted pitch 
who knew that letters could be fun? Instead of digging through bland correspondence like some college undergrad hoping to discover the secrets of some deceased author, you should revel in this book instead, 84 Charing Cross Road. It's a work that includes letters of the heart and of the mind, letters that will kind of tickle your very soul. But let me be more specific because really the book only works due to the incisive and lively voice of Helene Hanf, who's credited with putting the book together, a freelance, a freelance writer in the 1950s and 60s in New York City who just wants some high quality books, damn it, and she'll go across the pond to get them. <laughs> um, the connection she finds with a bookseller in London is it's just the best kind of charming, and it's its very excellent. Uh, this is an ideal read for an afternoon when you're feeling a bit lonely and just want the company of a clever, incisive friend, and she really does inspire that feeling. It's, I think, what's the modern term, parasocial relationships? Do you know that term? Yeah. So yeah. she inspires that feeling, even though it's across the ages, uh, across the time periods. Someone who writes with honesty, irreverence, and a touch of that old misunderstood word, sass. She's she's the good sassy. I know that word's been kind of, it's like a critique these days, or is kind of faux pas, but she's just sassy. Of interest, too, is the somewhat immersive effect that the letters have in transporting us back to a post-World War II America and Britain, uh, though I don't think its primary intrigues are in experiencing that history. The dynamics of book selling and TV writing, which are the professions here, are fascinating enough to keep me interested, and I think the history backdrop is just interesting enough, too, to keep keep you driving forward. Uh, a lot of fun little snippets in there. Uh, this is a humane gem that never loses its charm and even gains an edge of melancholy at the end. It's very profound and really moving, and it's basically 70 pages, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> even though it's 96, so. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, the, the, the melancholy at the end, but it's not going to be the overriding, I think, um, memory of the book, but yeah, there, there's so many, I feel like, emotions that, that you're going to experience as you read, and I, I really like that you make that connection to like Hanf as like if you're lonely reading Hanf this this collection is like making your own friends at the same time I, I really like that connection yeah she's just so charming and friendly that it's yeah. hard not to recommend it in, the, in the, on those terms rather sorry yeah excellent okay and let's end with our quote for clarification, our final segment we always do on book recommendation episodes. The quotes will be things that we chose just because we think it represents something important about the work. We're going to read from the book. Obviously, at this point, we've talked about the book so much, we figure it's best to give you an actual snippet, a little excerpt, just to get you intrigued and show you what the writing's actually like. Uh, take it away, Amanda. I'm assuming you chose a Helene letter. I'd be shocked if you chose one from anyone else. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. Um and she's, uh, she's already written, this is her second letter to them. Mm -hmm. um, the books arrived safely. The Stevenson is so fine. It embarrasses my orange crepe bookshelves. I'm almost afraid to handle such soft vellum and heavy cream-colored pages. Being used to the dead white paper and stiff cardboardy covers of American books, I never knew a book could be such a joy to the touch. Um, so I chose this one because we get some some insights into who Hanf is as a person. She obviously really loves books and really appreciates um, the quality of books um, that she's, she's got and also critiquing um, America in a way, mm -hmm. in American yeah. books. Um, but also, she says, it embarrasses my orange crate bookshelves. So we also get a sense of, like, she's... Uh, almost like nomadic at least in her um furniture choices <laughs> yeah yeah she lives kind of um, as a freelance popper i think she even calls herself yeah. a popper at some point it's part of her yeah. lifestyle yeah yeah but the I, I like that that little 
tidbit of information about like what kind of furniture she has too because it's it shows also that she doesn't really care about the appearance of those things, but she does very much care about her books, which just really highlights how much she does love um, love her books. Yeah, certainly she does. It's a precious items to her, though. Though there's an odd interim, not interim. There's an odd part in the middle part of the text, is what I meant to say about how she maybe throws some books away. But again, won't spoil any of the specifics. We're just here to. Give an overview, but hey, yeah, she's she's maybe got some hypocrisies, which make her even more intriguing, <laughs> even more of an yeah. interesting person to learn about. So I'm going with my quote from page five. This is what I'm going to call the first full-on Helene attack, which there there are a few in the book, but this is the first really intense one, which is great. And this is from 1949. It begins in all caps, I should say. I'm not going to yell, but it's all caps. What kind of a black Protestant Bible is this? Kindly inform the Church of England that they have loused up the most beautiful prose ever written. Whoever told them to tinker with the Vulgate Latin, they'll burn for it. You mic my words. It's nothing to me. I'm Jewish myself, but I have a Catholic sister-in-law, a Methodist sister-in-law, and a whole raft of Presbyterian cousins, and an aunt who's a Christian science healer, and I like to think that none of them would countenance this Anglican Latin Bible if they knew it existed. As it happens, they don't even know that Latin existed. Well, the hell with it. (laughs) And yeah, anyway, I'll stop. I could read the whole letter, but but I won't. Yeah, she just she takes no prisoners in her opinion. She knows when to attack and critique. She literally tells the Catholic Church to burn in hell there, essentially. So that's that's you know quite a profound thing. Or no, I'm sorry, the Church of England, not the Catholic Church. And so it's just incredible. She really knows how to turn a phrase. She's funny, fun, irreverent. I think you use that word a couple times in the book clubs, and it's the perfect word for her too. And as a narrative voice, as kind of a guide it through letters, it's you just couldn't ask for a better concise fun writer yeah yep she's that i i still remember that one like probably the most um Mm -hmm. yeah vividly is that is that first attack there because it was just like i remember reading it and being like oh I really like her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She wins you over immediately, right? I suppose the Church yeah. of England, if anyone out there is, you know, a real Church of England diehard or something, then perhaps you'll, you know, be a m- bit more insulted. But I just thought it was just hilarious. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's so great. She goes after whomever she wants to. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. such a good turn in the book because up until that point, she had made a couple of slight. I don't know what you'd call them, maybe tiny critiques with a bit of an edge or something, but nothing like this. And so this is when she just really goes for it. And of course, it's the charm of the book that the bookseller responds very sincerely in a dry British way. And that dynamic plays out. I know I didn't read that quote with the response, but that's kind of the dynamic that defines it. Yeah. So if you can get along with a narrator like her, folks, you'll be in good hands and you should pick this one up for sure. So... Good times with Helene. Any final thoughts on the book, 84 Charing Cross Road? Uh, it's such a great, great little book that, I mean, I would read it again. It was just so, so charming. Yeah, this is the perfect kind of reread for me as someone who doesn't reread full works. But this has so many little quotes in it. I'm sure I'll pick it up off a shelf in years and be charmed again by a letter or two where it's like, oh, hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what a voice. Oh, yeah, what a what a writer. So... Excellent. I don't know if we'll revisit any of her other stuff, because I know she published a couple other things, so maybe. Yeah, she did. She wrote uh, something called Q's Legacy, which is actually about about this. So she yeah, wrote... Yeah, that interests me a little less. About writing this. But, but <laughs> I, yeah, I grow a little wary of art about making the art you made, so I'm right. suspicious of that book just on its premise. <laughs> uh, 
but but maybe i don't you know i wouldn't say no her voice is so strong so yeah at any rate um amanda let's conclude this episode by telling folks what we got coming up next if we didn't persuade you to read this one with us then we failed because it's excellent and short and easy to read but if you're not interested in this one that's fine we've got other books chosen in order oh if you are going to read this one uh, glad you put that in red i almost missed it we are going to read the first half of this book which will go through the letter that is dated may 4th 1952 so if you're going to read this again that's what book club one will be discussing and spoiling basically the first half of the letters again though if this does not interest you and you're not going to read it you want to hear about the other books we have coming up amanda take it away what do we got Next up, we've got The Intuitionist by Colson Whitehead, which is a novel. Then we have In Cold Blood by Truman Capote, which is nonfiction. And then we go back to a novel with The Violent Barrowed Away by Flannery O'Connor. Nice. Slightly longer works, but nothing too burdensome in there. I think those are, you know, in the 3, 350 range. And The Violent Barrowed Away is pretty short. I think that's like 200 some. There you go. So, yeah, got some other, not quite this short, but definitely some short ones coming up. And I think tonally, though, we're swinging hard back because <laughs> the Violet <laughs> Beard Away and In Cold Blood are about like small town murders and, you know, isolated rural America. So I those are going to be, I think, quite different in tone. But anyway, for now, we have this one to fall back on. So. Excellent. We are and have been the Lightly Literary Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you could leave us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere you're listening to this, we're up on all the major platforms at this point. Check us out there. And again, leave us reviews. It helps a ton with the recommendations and the algorithms and all the background stuff. And our social media accounts, just to repeat them, are at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is just one word, at Facebook and Instagram. So check us out there. A pretty easy follow. And that's where we promote what we're doing. Thanks again for listening all the way through. Hope we gave you a good book recommendation today. And until next time, we'll see you between the pages.